Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. And we worship the name, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And we rejoice that we are called in that name and called by that name. And tonight we come humbly and respectfully before your precious word. And we rejoice that your word is working in our hearts mightily. And your word is working in our minds mightily. And we are being made manifest by virtue of all that Christ has made made available to us. So tonight I pray that each one connected to the service around the world, the eyes of your understanding flooded with light. You are strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Christ dwells in your hearts by faith. You are rooted and grounded in the love of God. And I declare that by the end of this service, your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus glorified. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of you that are connected in Aquaibom State by way of Comfort FM and XL FM. It's a joy to have all of you connected to the service tonight. I want to ask everybody on radio to do me a favor, reach out to a friend, reach out to a neighbor, a family member, you know, be kind to somebody, call them and ask them to tune into this radio station. Some good news coming from the throne of God to brighten and make your life better than it has ever been and it's a joy to have all of you connected tonight those of you on social media like you've always done let's do it again tonight share the video tag some people drop it you know in in different group whatsapp groups drop them on telegram monogram and then also make sure that every group every group on your facebook page Push it there. Every group. Let's go. Let's go. Every group. Push it there. And all power citizens in Aquaibom State, help us. Even if you're not doing Facebook, you're not watching on Facebook, do me a favor. Open your Facebook. Share the video. Let's put it on as many groups as possible. Let's create watch parties. Friends, we have something that the world needs to hear. Let's push it out there where the people are. All our house centers and all our campuses. It's good to see all of you in the service tonight. And it's a joy to have all of you partaking in this fellowship tonight. And I'm glad to see Pastor Praise and Elder Praise in the service tonight. So good to have you here tonight. Praise God. Always a joy to have you in church with me. Praise God. Alright, hey guys, grab your pen, your notebook, and your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet smart self. Let's get into the world tonight as we continue with our series in the 60 days of glory, examining the promise of God. The promise 
of God. Now, the book of Luke chapter 24, verse number 25. Luke 24, verse number 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Next verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we began to look at the promise of God beginning from the Old Testament. The promise of God. And we've been here quite a bit now. And then yesterday, we began to talk about the fact that Brother Paul took time to make us see that God wants us to know him as a father. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Romans chapter 8 verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but that you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. The cry of the new creation is Abba Father. That is the way the Holy Ghost wants us to address God as our Father. Yesterday we saw a number of scriptures. All were Father, Father, Father. Jesus walked the face of the earth. He never called the Father Jehovah. He always called him Father. Father, I thank you that you hear me always. He never called the Father any title. It was always Father. And the spirit of adoption in our heart cries Abba Father. We saw Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Next verse, 19. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Next verse, next verse, next verse. And I built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Three things. Number one, we have the access to the Father. Number two, we are fellow citizens. Number three, we are members of the household or we are members of the family, family of God. So we said the church or the body of Christ is not an organization. It is a family. We have the same DNA. We have the same heritage. And then we began to ask ourselves a question yesterday for brother Paul to teach us that God is our father. Where did he get that from? And we established that it was not a coinage of brother Paul. He must have gotten it from some scripture in the mystery which is the Old Testament. So we saw Isaiah chapter 53 verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 53 verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That verse 10 begins to talk about his resurrection. All right, But he doesn't use resurrection because the resurrection fact is hidden in the mystery. So he uses the word seed. He shall see his seed. The word seed is used for descendants. 
It's used in the Hebrew culture for a man because women don't have seed. Women bear seed. So he shall see his seed used for descendants. Then he now says he will prolong his days. He will see his seed, his descendants. That means in the resurrection of Jesus, there will be descendants. In the resurrection of Jesus, there will be a family. In the resurrection of Jesus, there will be a people, alright? Descendants, a family, and a people. So that means, in the resurrection of Jesus, there are descendants, or there are children, or there are sons. In the resurrection, there are descendants, or there are children, or there are sons. He will see his seed and prolong his days. So you will see that in that prophecy, in the prophecy of Isaiah, was the promise of the resurrection. And that resurrection is not just about Jesus. That resurrection is about his seed. And when he said his seed, he is referring to the results of that resurrection. The results of that resurrection. Remember in the book of Psalms chapter 8 verse 4. Put it up for me. Psalms chapter 8 verse number 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Next verse. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Next verse. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Look at how brother, the writer of Hebrews explains Psalms chapter 8. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6. But one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Now the writer of Hebrews is explaining that that prophecy strictly is speaking of Jesus. But has an immediate reference to you and me. He will see his seed, according to Isaiah 53 verse 10, the seed from where? The seed from resurrection. Will it be the new birth? The seed? Will it be the new birth? Will it be the new creation? Yes, of course. That means in that prophecy, we have the promise of sons. The promise of the new creation that will be fulfilled in Christ. The promise of the new creation that will be fulfilled in Christ. So look at that Hebrews again carefully with that in mind. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 and 7. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 and 7. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Verse 7. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and this set him over the works of thy hands. Now, 
The minute David prophesied that in Psalm 8, if you were in that audience, you will be looking around. What is man that thou art mindful of? It, it doesn't seem to make sense in that immediate environment. You know, it's like, um, uh, like the men of the senses. When they sing, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. So a, a natural man only sees God in the moon, the stars and the thunder. Because the natural man is a man of the senses. Or the natural man is a man of sense knowledge. And we have explained very clearly here that the greatest demonstration, the greatest demonstration of God's power is in the resurrection of Jesus. The greatest demonstration ever of God's power is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and in the birth of the church. So we have to stop, I mean step outside the realm of David. We have to step outside the realm of David, the natural man, who had to even ask, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And when he said that, you know, we, we cannot say what David is saying because we know better. So we have to step into the realm of revelation knowledge. We have to step into the realm of revelation knowledge. We are not looking at the stars and the moon to know the Father. No. We are seeing what Christ has done in his resurrection. So when we sing such songs, we sing it with different lyrics. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. I see your church. I see the new creation. Your power in all humanity display. Because that is how we see God in the new creation who is a product of his resurrection. Not in the moon and the stars. That's for natural men who cannot receive spiritual realities. So we do not function like David. We are not natural men. They can look at the stars, the moon, the thunder, the lightning to be able to glorify God. So we see things differently because we are men of the spirit. We see things differently. We evaluate things differently because we are men of the spirit. So now again, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 to 9. Went back to that Hebrews again. Chapter 2 verse 6 to 9. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? This was David's query. Next verse. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and this set him over the works of thy hands. Next verse. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, go back, go back to verse 8. But now, we see not yet all things put under him. We see not yet all things put under him. Nine. But 
we see Jesus. Glory to God. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Should taste death for every man. Glory to God. So, the writer of Hebrews is explaining that prophecy. He's explaining the prophecy of David. What is man that thou art mindful of? So, the writer of Hebrews says, When we look at natural man, we do not see all things put under him. Which means the man that David was talking about is not the natural man. And then when we look again, we see Jesus as the man that David was asking, what is man that thou art mindful of? Alright? So the man is the man Jesus. He tested death for every man. Verse 10. Look at verse 10 of that same Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So that means God's son is a man. That means God's sons will be men. God's son is a man. Meaning God's sons or family will be a collection of men. So when David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? So we see Jesus, the man who tested death for every man. That is, what did he do that for? He tested death so that in death, he may bring many sons unto glory. So in Jesus dying, he brought sons unto glory. Please stay with me. So, to bring is the word agor, A-G-O-R, agor. It means to lead. To bring many sons unto glory is the word agor, to lead. It's used to bear or to carry people on yourself. It's used to bear or to carry people on yourself. So, he is carrying on himself many sons unto glory. The same word in Romans 8.14. As many as are led, the led means he carried many sons from darkness to light. Alright? The word agor, to bear. So Jesus is bearing them. That's the language of the writer of the book of Hebrews. You know, if you are Paul, brother Paul will not use what the writer of Hebrews used. To bring many sons to glory. Brother Paul will use sons in him. Sons in Christ. So that is brother Paul's signature. In him, in Christ, in whom we have. Because that's the same way to explain it. So he will say, he will bring many sons to glory. The same word in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake unto the fathers by the prophets. Observe verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. By his son. Spoken to us in his son. The word son is the Greek word hoyos. Hoyos. H-O-I-U-S. 
The same word in Hebrews 2.10. Bringing many sons unto glory. The word hoyos. Sons. Alright. There's a funny teaching out there. Where you hear sometimes people will tell you. That when you are born you are a child. You are a child. Then when you mature you become sons. Then gradually you become fathers. <laughs> no there's no such thing. There's no such thing. The word author of their salvation, author of their salvation, is used three times. It is the word archgeos, A-R-C-H-G-E-O-S. Archgeos is used for beginning. Same word for beginning at Moses. Archgeos, archgeos. You have killed the prince of life, or the word there is author of life. Prince of life, author of life, beginning, author. John 1 1, in the beginning was the word. The beginning of life is the word or the prince of life. The beginning of life is the word or the prince of life. The word arche, A R C H E. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Acts chapter 5 verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To be a prince and a savior forever. The word prince and savior means originator. The same word in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. The same word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, the author, to be the prince and the savior, the originator, the word archgeos in the Greek, archgeos. He is the originator of faith. That is, faith starts with him. Faith starts with Christ, the originator. That's the same word Brother Paul will call prototokos. Prototokos in the Greek, which is prototype. Prototokos, which will be first begotten or first born. Which the writer of Hebrews used in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. Which will be a foundation song. Put it up for me. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. And again... When he bringeth in the prototokos, the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And let all the angels of God worship him. So what you call a prototype or, you know, he is his prototype and we are his kind. He is the prototype, we are his kind. So if he is called the author, that means we are his kind. What we have is what he has. What we have is what he has. Look at from the prophecy in Psalm 8 verse 4 to 6. Pay attention. Psalm 8 verse 4 to 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Next verse. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Please pay attention. Now, 
So, the writer of Psalms took time to give that prophecy. But like I said, if you were in that audience, you will not likely see what the man is saying. You will wonder, what is this man really talking about? You know, the Old Testament prophecies were in mysteries. Which means they have to be explained. That's the only way to understand the prophecies of the Old Testament. They have to be explained. Please pay attention. Now, so when you understand from the new covenant, you can now go back and look at the prophecies. Then they make meaning to you. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? The word visit means to care for. To care for. It also means to be with or to stay with or to be in union with the son of man that you visit, you care for, you you want to be with, you want to stay with the son of man that you want to be in union with. Why are you mindful of him? Why do you care about him? He is always in your thoughts. So God's thoughts were programmed towards sons in man. God's thoughts were programmed towards sons in man. Please pay attention. So God's sons are men. God's sons are men. Because the son of God, Jesus Christ, is a man, is a man. So God became a man. God became a man. Meaning, we are his descendants. We are the descendants or we are his seed. Or another translation calls it his offspring. We are his offspring. So that's why we say we don't have a covenant with God. We don't have a covenant with God. Please pay attention. We are the first fruit. We are the fruit of the covenant. We are the fruit of the covenant between God and God. God and God are in a covenant and we are the fruit of that covenant. Are we still in the building? We are the fruit of that covenant. We are the seal of the finished work of Christ. We are the seal of the finished work of Christ. So go back to Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For whom he did for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That text is usually mistaken. You know, you can build, <laughs> Pastor Brace, you know, somebody can build a whole series. On a word written in italics. <laughs> so, somebody can do a series. On a word written in italics. In the Bible. So by the time you subject the series. To the content of the original. That series don't exist. Because any word written in italics. Is not in the original. It is added by translator's advantage. You can take it and you can expunge it. That's why they use italics to make you know that this is what we think is not in the original. And somebody who doesn't understand can do a series on a word written in italics. 
You know, sometimes people are just lazy where Bible study is concerned. It's like the man of God who said, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That is why you need deliverance. (laughs) That is why you need deliverance. But what did the man read? Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Then he now says, that is why, <laughs> that is why you need deliverance. So sometimes people read the Bible, but they are not paying attention, including preachers of the gospel. Sometimes we just read things and then we read our thoughts. We read our thoughts into the scriptures because that's exactly what happened to that person. He must have been very worried about convincing people to come for deliverance and the people are not responding. Then he now took a scripture that has deliverance in it. As he was quoting it, he read his thoughts. That is why you need deliverance. But somebody with a Bible sitting in the audience will read and say, no sir. That is why I don't need deliverance. Why? I have been delivered. Are we still in the building? So that is why anybody that does not hold his Bible is setting himself up for deception. Because if somebody is preaching, you ought to check your Bible yourself to see as a diligent student of the word, if the things you are hearing are so. Please, this is very, very important. Now, there's nothing wrong as a pastor if you make a mistake and you come back and correct yourself. I mean, there's nothing wrong. But you must be honest enough to admit you've done something wrong and be able to fix it. You know, some people have built a whole theology on words in italics. A whole theology of God. And when you remove the italics, nothing remains. Look at that word in Romans 8.29 because that's what's bringing me into this analysis. Romans 8.29 For those or whom he did for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. Please stay with me. Alright, now, when you read conform, the problem is sometimes people read that word conform, then they go to Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. So in their mind, conform is conform. But if you follow carefully, conform is not conform. It is context that will interpret what conform is in each context. Moreover, in the original, conform and conform are not the same. And now, so, the word to be is in italics. To be is in italics, which means it's not in the original. Predestine is the word prorizen. Prorizen in the Greek or prorizo. Prorizen means to to pre-plan. What's the plan? He did predestinate or he did pre-plan. What did he pre-plan? To the image of his son. He did pre-plan to the image of his son. Now, there's a word conform in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Conform is not the same word in Romans 12 2. The word in Romans 12.2 is the Greek word suche matizo. Suche matizo in the Greek. T-S-E-U-T-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. Suche matizo. It means to adapt. 
The word conform in Romans 12 verse 2 is suchematizo, which means to conform. That's what some people think when they read Romans 8.29. The word in Romans 8.29 is not suchematizo. It is somofol. Somofol. The word somofol, you know, means similar to. The word to be conformed, somofol. Similar to. Be not conformed to this world. Suche matizo. Don't be, don't let the world adapt you into their system. Suche matizo. Is conform, conform, but the original text gives us clarity on what conform means in one context and what conform means in another context. You know, it's like the one I teach on love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Then he says, for God so love the world. Alright, the word world is not world, it is context that defines world. The same thing with conform, conform. So, the conforming Romans is suchematizo. I mean, yeah, Romans 12. While the conform in Romans chapter 8 is somofold, which means similar to, just like it. It refers to essential identity. Essential identity. Somofolds is from the word morphine. Jointly formed. Jointly formed. Alright? Jointly formed. You see, the use of this word in Philippians chapter 3 verse 21. Philippians chapter 3 verse number 21. Lots of scriptures good for your health. Who shall change our vile body? That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. To subdue all things unto himself. The word fashioned is the word sum of all. That is... The body we will get at the resurrection will be the same that Jesus put on at his resurrection. So that word conform means to be the same. Alright, so those he foreknew, he predestinated to be the same. It's not adaptation. No, 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 it's not adaptation. To be the same or to be like some of all. Which means that God, what God's plan is is he foreknew us to be the same as the image of his son. He foreknew us to be the same as the image of his son or in the image of his son to be the same. So, conform to his image will be to be exactly like the prototype. So, he calls him the firstborn among, among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. That explains it to you. Firstborn is the word prototokos. That is the model of sons. The model of sons. Please stay with me. The model of sons. So, we are conformed to him. We are like the first begotten. At salvation, we are like the first begotten. At salvation, we are like the first begotten. It's not that you are born a half begotten. Then as you behave right as a Christian, you now become full begotten. No, at salvation, we are exactly like the first begotten. 
the firstborn. Some of us. Translation says, one translation says, irreversibly bound to the firstborn. Irreversibly bound to the firstborn. We are conformed to his image. He is the prototype. So, where did we get that from? Obviously, it is still interpreting Isaiah 53 verse 10. The word his seed. His seed. His seed. We are his descendants. We are his descendants. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed or his descendants. His descendants. Now go back to Genesis one twenty six. Genesis, I'm enjoying this, I don't know about you. Genesis chapter 1 verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Next verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. Did you observe? Man was never referred to anywhere as God's image. Never. Not at any time. Man was never referred to not at any time as God's image. Nobody was ever referred to as being the image of God. Nobody. Not Adam. Not anyone. The closest to that is the similitude of God used by James. In James 3.9. Similitude. And that's referring to the Christian. The word image and likeness are words used for descendants. Image and likeness are words used for your descendants. One who is born from you. One who is born from you. Is a person that is called an image or likeness. Image and likeness are, and you know, definitely... That was not the first Adam. He couldn't have been the person that was referred to as image and likeness. The first Adam was conformed or predestined to be like. Or better still, was predestined for sonship. Was predestined for sonship. That's why God gave life as a promise at the beginning. Oh, we're going to enjoy this from the next few days as we get into that. That God's promise was life. From the beginning. And we're going to get there because we're dealing with the promise of God. So man was never called the image of God. Never. Not at any time. Sometimes you hear people say all of us are the image of God. No, you lie, you lie, you lie. All of us are not the image of God. Man was never referred to as the image of God. Look at Genesis chapter 5 verse 3. Genesis chapter 5 verse number 3. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. The word Seth means mortality. And called his name mortality. It had dawned on Adam that we are mortals. So he now used it to identify with his son as mortality. So like I said, Image and likeness 
are used for your descendants. So therefore, it's clear for us to see that Genesis 1, 26 to 28 is a mystery concerning Christ. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 is a mystery concerning Christ. Remember always, the recording of the book of Genesis was after the fact. The book of Genesis was recorded after the fact. So, hidden in that documentation will be prophetic utterances concerning the future. Prophetic utterances concerning the future. That's why it seems like Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1, you know, about man was contradictory. Let them have dominion. The key word there is, in his image, after his likeness. You will only find the image and the likeness of God in Christ. Only in Christ. Now, for example, please don't forget the word mystery. In Genesis 2.24, put it up for me. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. They shall be one flesh. Right? Alright, now. That scripture, when he said they shall be one flesh, is a mystery. He's not talking about husband and wife, you know, like Adam who got married recently. <laughs> He's not talking about husband and wife in that sense. He is using figurative communication to bring out a revelation of the New Testament. Please stay with me. This is very important. So, when he says, and they shall be one flesh, while the man was a copy of that and the woman Eve, what God was teaching Moses was Christ and the church. The two shall be one flesh was the revelation in Genesis of Christ and the church. That's why brother Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30. Pay attention. Ephesians chapter 5. Did I say 30? Give me 32 for time. Ephesians 5 32. This is a great mystery. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The two becoming one flesh is a mode of communication that unveils the inseparable union between Christ and the church. It's a mode of communication. Don't forget the Old Testament is mystery. The New Testament is revelation. Alright? Now, man, or when God was talking about one flesh, what he said was the same thing Paul said. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now, in the mystery, he called it flesh. In Revelation, it is spirit. Alright? Now, but the term used in Genesis 2.24 was flesh. But if you come to the epistles, it is one spirit. The same word, some of all. One spirit. Some of all. Just like, you know, sharing the same identity. 
So in Ephesians 5.30, put it up so that you see the pretext of that scripture. Ephesians 5.30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Next verse. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Next verse. This is a great mystery. This is not a marriage seminar. Uh-huh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Concerning Christ and the church. Please pay attention. Concerning Christ and the church. So in that statement, a fact was hidden there. One spirit with God. It came from Adam. And they are one flesh. So, a mystery is an information contained in the words of the Old Testament. A mystery is an information contained in the words of the Old Testament. But they are explained in words. So when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That statement will be fulfilled in Christ. Because image and likeness are descendants. For God to have descendants, it will have to be in Christ. Because it is only when Christ died that he will produce a family for God. So the image and the likeness of God will be after resurrection. After resurrection. And the only person that was ever referred to in the entire Bible as the image of God was the person of Jesus Christ. So when David said, What is man that you are mindful of him? No, the son of man that you visit him. At that time, when David was saying that, it was a mystery concerning the redemptive work of Christ. And what he is going to do when he's raised from the dead. That is how communication was done. That's how it was done. That is why you see, for any teaching in the Bible to be a doctrine, it will have its own seed form in Genesis. In Genesis. It will come in the law of Moses, the same teaching as types and shadows. Okay? Then in the prophets, it will come as prophecy and promise. Then in the gospels, Jesus communicated it as a parable. Then in the epistles, core teaching. So every teaching travels through the scriptures. It, it traverses through the scriptures. Alright? In seed, in Genesis, types and shadows, in the law, prophecy, promise, in the prophets, minor and major, parable, in the four gospels, and then doctrine, in the epistles. Are we in the building here? So that is why in the next few days, that's the way you're going to see me teaching. I'm going to start from Genesis. I will show you where the prophets made it clearer. Where Jesus took it to the next level and where in the epistles it became a doctrine for the body of Christ. I don't know if you are still in the building. So that's why brother Paul will say this is a mystery. This is a mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So we saw it in Genesis. Image and likeness. Then David prophesied what is man that thou art mindful of him. Alright. Then Jesus reiterated. It was not so in the beginning. 
In the beginning, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. In Matthew 19. Then brother Paul took it now as a doctrine in Ephesians. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Are we in the building here? That's the way Bible teaching is done. Because the only way you can unravel a mystery is to travel with that mystery to the prophecy of the prophets, to the parables of Jesus, and to the doctrine of the New Testament. If you are together, say I hear you. Now, it must, it must be seen in Genesis. And it must travel to Malachi. So, for it to be a promise, it must have been spoken between the books of Genesis to Malachi. Look at Acts 13.32. Please pay attention. Acts chapter 13 verse 32. But put your finger there please. And hold on. Sonship therefore, before I go to Acts. Sonship therefore is not in stages. Sonship is not in stages. The day you are born again, you are a baby Christian. Then... After you finish foundation school, you are a child of God. <laughs> then, when you now start speaking in tongues, you are in the early stages of sonship. Then when you begin to break revelation knowledge, you are now a full son. Then when you start teaching it, you are now a father in the faith. No, it's not like that. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Sonship is not in stages. Sonship is who you are and what you have in Christ. Sonship is who you are and what you have in Christ. You don't now, you know, you don't grow to be a son. There are different words for growth, but son is not part of it. Look at Luke 24, 44 before we get to Acts. Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. And all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. <clears throat> the word fulfilled is the Greek word we saw the other day, pleru. Pleru will mean something that was said that had to be done. An obligation or a promise that was made. Therefore, by the time you read a bit further, Luke 24, 49, pay attention. Luke 24, 49. And he said unto them this, 49. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Hmm. The word promise is the Greek word evangelion. It is a commitment or a pledge that is made by speaking. So that means God must have said it somewhere. What Jesus was talking about as the promise of the Father must have been spoken somewhere in the prophets. In the Old Testament. Must have been spoken somewhere. So where could it have been said? I send the promise. Where was the promise spoken? For it to be a promise, it must have been spoken between the books of Genesis to Malachi. Look at Acts 13.32 now. <clears throat> Acts 13.32. 
And we declare unto you glad tidings. How that the promise, glory to God, which was made unto the fathers. Next verse. God had fulfilled the same unto us, their children. In that, he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. Now, please listen to me. Who was the promise made to? Our fathers. Who did God fulfill it to? To us, the children. So the promise to the fathers, we the children recipients. See that? The promise made to the fathers. That means the promise will always be found where? In the Old Testament. But the fulfillment will be found where? In the New Testament. Promise to the father, God has fulfilled to us, their children. So, the promise was made to the fathers. Meaning, Genesis to Malachi. How did God make the promise? Acts 3.21 Acts chapter 3 verse 21 Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God had spoken by the mouth which God had spoken which God had spoken by the mouth of all his prophets holy prophets when? Since the world began the promise was spoken by the mouth of the holy prophets. Give me verse 22 of Acts 3. Acts 3, 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto of your brethren, like unto, him, unto me, him shall you hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. Now, by the mouth of who was the promise made? Yeah, by the mouth of the prophets. So, he said those words through their mouth. So, we're going to see these promises in the mouth of the prophets. Where will we see the promises? In the mouth of the prophets. What do you mean in the mouth? The mouth of the prophet in Bible language means their words. In the words, their mouth is their words. So we will see the promise of God in the words of the prophets. That's what he means by mouth. That's where you will see it. So Second Corinthians one twenty. Second Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God in Him. Where are the promises? In Him, yea. And in him, amen. Unto the glory of God by us. The word all will mean great. All or the great promises of God are in him, yes. Remember Romans 15 verse 8. Romans 15 verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. I love this scripture. For the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. For the truth of God. He is the minister 
of the truth of God, the Greek word aletheia. Aletheia, which means sincerity that cannot change or integrity. Minister of the truth of God to confirm. To confirm is the word bebio. B-E-B-A-I-O-O. Bebio means to ratify or to make true or to make good. Jesus is the integrity of God to ratify, to make true or to make good what God said. Are we in the building here? Yeah. Jesus is the minister of the truth, the integrity. Jesus is the sincerity of God that cannot change. So Jesus, therefore, is to ratify. He is to confirm, to ratify, to make true or to make good. So Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says, All the promises of God are in Him, the integrity of God, who will ratify and make it good. Glory to God. Yeah, He's the minister. Is the minister of the truth of God to confirm. That's who Jesus is. So if he made the promises to the Father, means he will find the he will find the promises which God made, which are fulfilled in Christ in the writings of the Old Testament. We will find them there. So we said the Old Testament, which is Genesis to Malachi, are books of mysteries. Hidden truth or classified information. And books of promises. Promises of what God will do. So in the Old Testament, two things. Mysteries and promises. Mysteries and promises. So I said, the content of the mysteries. The content of the mysteries in the Old Testament are the pledges that God made. An evangelium, meaning God said, I will do this myself. Self-fulfilling promise. I will do this myself. Self-fulfilling promise. So that means in the words of the fathers, Old Testament, you will find the promises which God made. We said in the mystery... We resolve his personality, who he is. Yeah. We resolve it in the mysteries. And we also resolve the promises. That is his relationship with us. We resolve his personality, who he is. And we resolve his relationship, the promises. His relationship with us. How? We look at how does he relate with us? How does God relate with us? We see how he relates with us in the promises. What are the promises? Evangelium. What is Evangelium? Self-fulfilling. Meaning in God's relationship with us, he expects nothing from us. He does everything. <laughs> yeah. He does everything. And all we do is receive. Glory to God. Yeah. You know, we, nothing. It's a pangelia. It's not uh, a, a, a contract where two people have to play a part. No. It's a self-fulfilling promise. 
We see that in the promises that God made. What promise did God made? He made a promise to the fathers that he will raise Jesus from the dead and he has fulfilled the same. Nobody prayed for Jesus to rise from the dead. Nobody fasted. He died by himself. He said, I lay down my life by myself and I will pick it up by myself. I don't need your prayer. In fact, the people that should have prayed for him ran away. One even said, I know him not. So who will have been praying for him? The promise of God was not dependent on your prayer. It was not dependent on your fasting. It was dependent on the integrity of God. So Jesus is the minister of the truth of God. Ah, Jesus is the sincerity of God. Jesus is the integrity of God. That whatever God says, Jesus is the minister. That makes it happen. So all the promises of God are in Him. Yes and Amen. Stand on your feet. That's all we've got for you. Glory to God. I tell you, man. Woo! <laughs> you think about this, and I tell you, you feel like flying all over the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody shout and celebrate. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. Amen. Woo. I tell you, you get into these realities. Oh my goodness. You don't want to wait for what I'm going to be teaching tomorrow. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Sunday morning, first and second, God punish the devil. Saturday. Ah, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting to get into this teaching. I told you for over five years now to get into this teaching. So, um, we're warming up now. We're warming up. We're warming up. We're warming up. I tell you. Jesus is the sincerity, the integrity, the minister of what God says. And Jesus has fulfilled them. So there is no word of God that is void of power. Glory to God. You don't fast for it to happen. You take it. You don't pray for it to happen. You only take it. Why? Christ has fulfilled it. So that's why the New Testament is a receiving testament. And when you understand this, you don't shout over the sick. Mm -mm. Receive now It is done Not in the strength of your voice Not in the strength of your shout In the minister of the truth of God Jesus The integrity of God Glory to God I, I said glory to God I said glory to God Amen Father, we pray for everybody tonight that this revelation knowledge grows big in the hearts of your people. Light like never before. Fear goes. Doubt goes. Unbelief disappears. Confidence. Boldness. Faith comes alive to take delivery of what is ours. Nobody shortchanged. Nobody deprived. Nobody denied. Nobody cheated. And nobody harassed by the enemy. And in the name of Jesus, sick bodies be healed. Be healed. Those in need of a miracle, receive, receive, receive in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. It is done. In Jesus' name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Amen. 
Woo, I tell you. My goodness. Oh my goodness, I tell you. Mr. Bush is in the studio. I'll be joining him in another two minutes. But I want to take your offerings quickly. Let's honor the word of God. Let's honor our collective responsibility as believers to flood the nations of the earth with the truth of the gospel. Every time you give, your giving is a vehicle to transport this message to the people for whom Jesus died. Your giving is a vehicle to help us get this gospel around the world. That's what it's all about. And I want to thank partners and friends of this ministry who have tirelessly continued to give to this house and to this cause, enabling us to keep giving expression to the plan, the purpose, the agenda of God on the face of the earth. I want to thank all of you. And I want, to, I want you to know that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. In and out of season, you keep giving. God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. And my prayer is that you will never be weary in well-doing. You will never be weary because you know exactly what you are doing where the kingdom of God is concerned. Hallelujah. I'd like you to get an offering, everybody, online, on television. The banking details are scrolling. And for those on radio, Mr. Michael Bush will read the accounts for you in another one minute or so. But I want to pray for everybody. Lift up your offerings in the house centers and campuses and in the building. Father, we rejoice for the privilege to honor Christ and to honor the work and for the privilege to accept the responsibility of making our resources available so that this gospel continues to permeate the dark places of the earth. So I pray for every man and every woman giving tonight. I ask that grace abound towards you. You will always have sufficiency in all things. You will always abound unto every good work. You lack nothing. God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Great grace is upon you. You abound in knowledge. You abound in grace. You lack nothing. When you need a miracle this week, receive in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Glory. Amen. Woo. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to, you know, switch over to the other studio where Mr. Michael Bush is right now. I'll be joining him to answer questions tonight and to interact with all of you on phone. We'd like you to invite more people to be part of it. You know, share the videos, create watch parties, and make sure we get more people on board. The more people we get to hear this truth, the easier it is for the glory of the Lord to flood the earth as the water covers the sea. So let's get more people in tonight. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one minute in the other studio. And until then, we love you guys. See you at the other side. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service. Glory to God. Amen. We Woo! you have been blessed by this message. For these, all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damini. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939. Or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. Church in the air and church online. Join Drs. Abel and Rachel Daminer as he brings you sound Bible study through the month of July to September at 60 Days of Glory 2020. Exegetically examining the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Salvation in Christ. Date from 5th of July to 6th of September 2020. Time 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. from Mondays to Saturdays, 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday. 